Hello and welcome to Second Take. Today is the first episode of our podcast. My name is Ryan. Uh, just a little bit of background, of background information about me. Uh, I'm from Utah. I am a jazz fan and just a big NBA fan in general. I also follow other sports like the NFL. But um, on this podcast, we're going to be starting out just talking about some NBA content. And with me, I have Roland, and I'll go ahead and let him introduce himself. Yep, name's Roland, and honestly, all you guys need to know about me is that we are ready to talk sports with you. And my opinion's always correct, so get used to it. <laughs> there we go. I like it. I like it. Okay, so today we're going to talk talk about some trending news first. And a name that's been in in the news a lot is Zion Williamson. And recently, Zion announced that he had a child on the way. And there's been other weird claims coming out with these other women that he's been with them and that they're his girlfriend or they're not. And ever since then, we've been hearing all of these Zion Williamson trade rumors, such as that the Pelicans potentially want the number two or three overall pick with Scoot Henderson, and that Zion doesn't really have a relationship with the New Orleans Pelicans or his teammates. And then that kind of brings up the question, Roland, if you are the New Orleans Pelicans, would you trade Zion Williamson to move up and get Scoot? Well, I personally, I mean, it depends on the offer. Uh, Zion Williamson, he's a top 15 player when he actually plays. He's a bubble and a borderline MVP candidate. But I do think there has been a lot of tension. CJ McCollum has been taking shots at him in interviews. Uh, he's kind of eaten he's kind of eaten his way out of the lineup, you know. He doesn't really take stuff seriously when it comes to being a professional athlete who's making millions of dollars. The least you can do is put down the gumbo. Uh, but can't seem to do that. I think it would be smart if the right trade package was offered for both parties to kind of end the relationship. Uh, I think it'd be honestly more beneficial for Zion than it would be for the Pelicans. But there is this sense of, does he really want to be there? Because if he did, he would actually try harder to be on the court, I, th I think. Yeah, and I do agree with you. I like the point you brought up when you said it'd be more beneficial for Zion than the Pelicans because when he plays, he's really good. But I, he hasn't even played in half of their games since he's been in the NBA. He's played in 114 of their 328 possible games. Um, he's franchise talent when he's healthy, but if the Pelicans really want Scoot Henderson, my biggest question is, do you trade your franchise player? Because that's what he is when he's healthy. Because he's so good at finishing. He can even handle for being as big as he is. He's strong. But do you trade a guy like that for a rookie who he does have a lot of potential, but he hasn't even played a game in the NBA yet? And I think that's the question that the Pelicans have to, have to ask themselves. Well, Scoot's no Zion, to be honest. I mean, maybe one day Scoot could be a top 15, top 10 player in the NBA, but you're giving up something that already is when he plays for a, a what if. And I'm not sure what the Pelicans are trying to do. Half their roster is veterans. 
that have about five years left in the league. Then they have Brandon Ingram, who's kind of in the middle, kind of entering his prime. Then they have a bunch of young players. So if they were to make this move, it would be kind of a, a mini rebuild. They'd probably have to make other moves to make their roster a little bit younger so that when Scoot does develop, uh, he can he can kind of develop around other players his age. I mean, I think it's good to have veterans, but uh, this is more of a rebuild move than it is a win-now move if they're trying to trade for Scoot Henderson. I do agree with that because you have to ask the question. They have a guy like C.J. McCollum on the roster right now, and he's their point guard, and if Scoot Henderson comes along, uh, C.J. doesn't really have a spot anymore. But then, not only if... New Orleans does decide to trade him. You have to look at it from the other team's perspectives. If you were a team like Charlotte or Portland, you have to ask yourself as well, would you want to trade for Zion knowing his injury history? And since you're already a rebuilding team, you have the option to either get someone who is already a star with health questions, or you can keep a young player and continue your rebuild. Personally, if I were Charlotte, for example, I would think I would do the Zion trade, honestly. They just traded, or Michael Jordan just sold the team. They have new ownership. They already have LaMelo Ball. They haven't been good for a really, really long time. And if you could pair together LaMelo and Zion, that might be able to be good enough to give you a future, in my opinion. Well, I mean, have the Hornets ever been good? Nope. I mean, that's the thing. And I think it would be exciting TV. They'd probably make the playoffs um they would be a bullfighter on defense just kind of letting everyone their defense would be awful let's just put it that way but they'd be really fun i mean they'd be uh lob city 2.0 with Lamelo ball and zion williamson that definitely would be something to pique the interest of the fan base a little bit more i don't know if that moves the needle uh much for charlotte but uh, it depends on what you have to give up. I mean, the trade offer that I kind of saw floating out there was Gordon Hayward and the second overall pick. If you're the Pelicans, do you really even consider that? Yeah, I mean, if you're asking me, I kind of think a trade like that, if you're the Pelicans, you want more than just number two and Hayward because Hayward would just be a salary filler in that trade to make the trade work. And then you're kind of getting Scoot Henderson, but it's just Scoot. And we all know how good Zion is when he plays. So I would be asking for more if I were the Pelicans. Uh, another extra first, couple extra first round picks. Because like you said, it would kind of be like a mini rebuild with Brandon Ingram and Scoot Henderson. So I think that definitely changes things. But then if you look at it from a different perspective, if Charlotte's not going to take Scoot Henderson number three, that means the Pelicans could potentially, or at number two, that means the Pelicans could potentially wait till pick number three and trade with Portland. And then if you're Portland, is that a trade that you consider number three for Zion? Because that's the rumor is what, that's exactly what they're looking for at number three, according to the rumors. Yeah, I mean, the rumor that's floating out there is uh, Jeremy Grant and the number three overall pick. That one's a little bit more enticing if I'm the Pelicans. Mostly because Jeremy Grant's still a solid basketball player. Gordon Hayward has spurts, but suffers with a lot of injuries. 
I can see him being out of the league in three years. Uh, that's pessimistic, but <laughs> I could see it. Jeremy Grant's a better player than uh, Gordon Hayward is right now. And you'd ultimately get the same thing with the third overall pick if you really want Scoot Henderson. I don't think Charlotte's going to pass on Brandon Miller just because of the fit. So uh, that's a better trade offer than what Charlotte is offering. But again, I don't think the Pelicans do that because not a lot you're getting back. You're getting a quality role player for a potential all-star guard in Scoot Henderson uh, for someone that we know is a bona fide star when he plays. Um, and there's not a lot of risk involved in that trade for the Trailblazers because the Trailblazers have two options. They have satisfied Dame or go into full rebuild mode. And if they're trading that, they're trading Jeremy Grant basically for Zion Williamson at that point. They don't really care much about the future if they're making that type of trade. Yeah, and just kind of to add on to that, I feel like the Portland Trailblazers in the state they are right now, they're the type of team who would add more than just the third pick to get Zion. They would probably be willing to offer more future first-round picks down the line just because they want to win with Dame, it seems right now. doesn't seem like he's going anywhere yet. So the draft will tell us a lot about that. Uh, but I think Zion with Dame would be really interesting. It'd be fun to watch. They would probably have to do a little bit more with their roster to become a contender. Uh, probably would have to get rid of Nurkic. They could trade. Yeah, yeah, Nurkic. Yeah, they could trade Simons as well, get some more veteran help, get some more defenders. But I definitely think that's something Portland would jump on if New Orleans offered it in a heartbeat. So if New Orleans really wanted to get off Zion for Scoop, they probably could. But that also brings up the next question with Portland is, should Portland actually consider trading Dame instead of using the pick um, and just going through a rebuild if they use the pick? What do you think about that? I personally think that's their best option because right now they're kind of in NBA purgatory. They're just kind of in the worst place. They're not competing for a championship. If they get Zion and they fill the roster out, they could if Zion stays healthy. Um, that's the big if. Uh, outside of that, they're just kind of destined to be play-in at best kind of basketball, and that's not going to get you anywhere. So I personally think they should blow it up follow after the example of the Oklahoma City Thunder and the Utah Jazz and, you know, all those other teams that hunt picks and rebuild and draft Scoot Henderson or draft uh, a quality player out of this draft. Because I hate to say it, I don't think Dame's a number one option on an NBA championship caliber team. I think there's really only five or six of those in the NBA. And... I love Dame to death. He's one of my favorite players. I also think it would be good for him to have a change of scenery. So I think it'd be a win-win if they ended up doing that. Yeah, and if you're looking at this from Portland's perspective, I think this is a perfect year to rebuild if you're going to start a rebuild. You got a top three pick and a 
been a really good draft, what I think. And you already have Shaden Sharp, who showed a lot of flashes last year. You could trade Dame, get more assets, young players. You could trade Simons, get more assets, young players. It would just give you a, a great fresh start. You could have a good backcourt with either Scoot and Sharp, or you could add Brandon Miller or one of the Thompson Thompson twins to that. It'd be a great year for Portland to start that. And then from Dame's perspective, honestly, him getting traded out of there, I think would be the best for him to have a chance to win because if you look at Portland's realistic options to trade the third pick for, if New Orleans isn't willing to give up Zion for that, you have maybe Pascal Siakam from Toronto or one of the Bulls guys in DeMar DeRozan or Zach Levine. And I just, I don't know if that pushes them over the top to be able to contend because they would still have a lot more work to do with that roster. Yeah, they have so much work. I mean, I think personally, if they really wanted to get better immediately, they should just wave Nurkic. I had that guy on my fantasy team. I don't know how many times he just didn't play and sucked. So, uh, but on a more serious note, this this teams can go nowhere. They, they cannot go anywhere uh, with the current roster construction because they're paying Damian Lillard an absurd amount of money. I think he deserves it on the right team. I don't think Portland's that team. Damian Lillard's kind of going from top 10 talent, Western Conference Finals, gets injured, has had injury history the past couple years. He's going to start being looked at as one of the worser contracts in the NBA. He's going to be owed a ton of money. He's getting older, and he's not on a team that can go anywhere. And like you said, it, it's just got to be – this is the perfect year. You have a top three pick in a loaded class, and you have Damian Lillard, who still has a good amount of trade value for certain teams. So, I I mean, now's the time, if any. If they don't, then I think Damian Lillard's trade values continue to drop, and then they might have passed up on a generational talent or an all-star at the least with one of the top three prospects in this draft. Yeah, and if you look at Dame's contract, kind of like you mentioned, it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and that's going to make it harder for Portland to be able to make moves around him if they're not already good. And plus, with the salary being lower right now, that really does give him a better chance to trade him because once he's making over 50, almost $60 million, that's like two $30 million players that you're going to have to trade for him. And there's not a lot of guys in the NBA making that money. And how many teams are going to be willing to give up two guys of that caliber for an older dame? Yeah. Anyway, we think that uh, the Trailblazers should not trade the third pick and they should lean more towards a rebuild. But, uh, you know, superstars have a lot of power and say in this league. I don't think that's what they're going to end up doing, even though that's probably what's smart. Um, a trade that seems realistic is the Yusuf Nurkic for DeMar DeRozan and Alex Caruso. I personally don't think that moves the needle much, but what's your opinion on moving off Nurkic? I mean, that's always a good idea. And 
the third pick. Yeah, I mean, I think moving off Nurkic with this team is kind of a necessity at this point. But the teams that would be willing to take him on, I feel like, are probably rebuilding teams, which is doable because you can flip those assets for more win-now pieces if you wanted to keep Dame. And then you get Dame a co-star and DeMar, who's still good. I think he can fit with Dame. Alex Crusoe helps your perimeter defense. But at that point, still more holes to fill because I feel like a backcourt of Simons and Dame and Sharp and Caruso is a little bit crowded. So that means yeah. either Simons or Sharp are going to have to trade them for different pieces, and they're going to have to find a way to keep Jeremy Grant. But then at that point, your team's kind of small if you're looking at a front court of like Grant, DeRozan, Caruso, or Simons and Dame. I just still think they'd have a lot of work to do, and I don't, I don't see them going past the second round with that type of team. So, Yeah, they would definitely have to learn from the Warriors this past season. Of You can't really kill two birds with one stone. It's hard to develop young talent and have a championship core at the same time. Uh, they would have to move off of Simons or Sharp to get a, a quality center, a quality big, because Nurkic is almost... I'm going to have a lot of Nurkic slander. <laughs> He's almost worse when he plays. So you at least get rid of that, but you need to replace him with size. And good size is not cheap in the NBA. So they definitely would have to probably move off some of the young talent, like you said, and the backcourt would be loaded. This definitely wouldn't be the only move they make if they were to go this direction. Uh, but even still, is DeMar DeRozan and Alex Caruso worth the number three pick? How good is DeRozan going to be for – how much longer is DeRozan going to be good for? You know, he's a great player. He puts up 20 a night easy, 25 a night. Um, and Caruso does help with defense, like you mentioned. But it's not – if it's championship or bust – I just don't see a way that they could go for a championship with any trade that's out there. Exactly. And speaking of teams who are trying to win championships, um, the Memphis Grizzlies have a player, John Morant. It was recently announced that John Morant has been suspended 25 games without pay. And this is due to an incident where he was flashing a gun on his friend's Instagram live video. And He's not going to get paid. He won't be there to start the year. He won't be able to be around the team. And this is on top of he's already suspended eight games last season for flashing a gun on his own Instagram live video. And it just kind of seems like the NBA is over this and they suspended him 25 games. What do you think about the suspension? Is it too long, too short? What are your thoughts on it? Um. I'm more surprised by the timing, right? They waited until after the playoffs to suspend him. I think 25 is fine. I mean, he didn't necessarily do anything too illegal uh, like other players have. <clears throat> Miles Bridges. Uh, but So true. I mean, it might be a bit harsh. I mean, Bridges got 30 for something that he did illegally. and But... That's the price you got to pay for being a superstar. The NBA has a reputation to hold up. And if you're going to be one of the poster childs, 
you gotta you gotta put down the gun. You gotta put down the thug life, man. John Morant, this one's for you. You're not a thug. Okay, you're making two hundred million dollars a year. You do not need to represent that lifestyle. So, but you are gonna probably lose out on sixty million of that because you didn't get voted All NBA because of your off-court antics. You lost your Powerade sponsorship. And you're going to lose $7.6 million over the course of those 25 games. So if anyone's hurting, it's Jaw. Not really, because he's still going to make a certain amount of money. But he's losing out on $60 million. True, true. He has lost a lot of money because of this. And I think you bring up a great point that the NBA, because he's a superstar, one of the faces of the league, that the NBA is like, hey, we are not okay with this. This isn't what we want our brand to be associated with. And for me, that just kind of brings up the point, like with sponsorships, uh, when you are associated with a brand, you have to stay within the values of this brand because they want to be portrayed a certain way. And that works for normal people too, like not just people in the NBA. If you're working a job, you have to act a certain way at work. If you're, you have a New Balance deal for shoes. You have to wear your New Balances. You can't be caught wearing Nikes, Adidas, Jordans. There are certain rules you have to follow, and the NBA has shown us that they are not okay with players showing guns on their social media. So I think the NBA, in a way, is also trying to um, put out kind of a statement like, hey, we're not okay with this, and for any future people, if you do this, these this is what could happen. And especially since he did it once and did it again, I think that made this penalty a lot harsher because the original one was only eight games. And like you said, he didn't do anything illegal. He's not going to jail. He didn't get arrested. But it just comes down to how the NBA wants to be portrayed, in my opinion. Oh, yeah, that's definitely what it comes down to. It's all a matter of perception on the league. And, uh, well, John Moran basically fumbled. Uh, he was he was on his way. Everybody was riding him, man. Everybody. Everybody was enjoying. John Moran, you know, you got Kendrick Perkins on first take screaming, the Grizzlies are going to win the finals. John Moran's the best player in the world. And you just can't be stupid. You know, it's, it just comes down to that. Uh, but what do you think this means for the Grizzlies heading into next year? Do you think they're going to kind of suffer – the consequences of John Morant's actions? Do you think they'll be able to keep it afloat? What do you think is the impact this has on the Grizzlies? Yeah, I think if I'm the Memphis Grizzlies, John Morant's kind of got a tighter leash, so to say, with my team. I'm going to want him in my facility more. I don't want him out doing all these crazy things, right? Could be a little more strict with him at first until you feel like you can trust him again. Because... He's supposed to be your franchise player, your leader, your best player. You can't win without a superstar in the NBA. So if you want to keep him around, he needs to be he needs to be the face of your franchise and he needs to act like it. Um and if he knows this is going to get him suspended, you just gotta make sure he understands. And from the team perspective, in the past, they've shown they can win games without John Morant. But the only problem is you still have to make your roster better, and especially you know that he won't be there for 25 games. They might need some point guard help. They might have to make some moves trading off their younger pieces to maybe bring in some more vets, which might help the John Morant situation in general as well. But 
Memphis is a team who kind of they they want to win. They've been winning with these young guys, and they need to take the next step. And at this point, I don't want to regress if I'm that team. So I feel like I make the move to make my team more veteran-oriented to kind of help the young guys, help mentor the young guys, and give yourself a better chance to win with the young guys who you think are expendable. Yeah, well, a couple things that the Grizz, like you said, you can't win without a superstar. It is the first 25 games of the year, so a lot of teams kind of are trying to gain their footing. So if they at least they have continuity without John Morant, so they can I think they could honestly stay afloat. It's going to come down to health. That That's every team. Every team, if they're not healthy, then they're not going anywhere. But if they can stay healthy and that if Jaron Jackson can learn how to not foul out of games within the first 10 minutes of the game, then I think they'll be okay. Uh, Tyus Jones is probably the best backup point guard in the NBA. They have him under contract for another year. Desmond Bain has shown that he can take over games with his scoring and Jaron Jackson's a great defender. He's a great all around player. I think he's going to take that next step this year. If he doesn't, then they're kind of stuck. But I personally think he can take that next step. If he can just learn to stay on the floor and their net rating last season was actually higher without Morant. Mm. Uh, They went from a plus 3.3 with Morant to a plus 7.4 without, and that's largely because their defense improved from 108 points allowed per game to 112 without, or 112 points allowed per game with Morant compared to a 108 with him or without him. So they were better defensively without him. I think, uh, I think they can keep it afloat. I don't necessarily think they're going to be the second seed in the West again. But they're not going to drop off the face of the planet. They'll still be in that top four, top five discussion in the Western Conference. Um, But it all just comes down to Jaron Jackson and if he can stay on the court. Yeah, I like how you kind of bring brought up the Memphis Grizzlies key core young guys because they do have Desmond Bain still and they do still have Jaron Jackson. And Desmond Bain's only going into his third NBA season and or it might be four. It's either his third or fourth, but every single year he's gotten better. Last year he was a 20-point-per-game guy. Does he get a chance to step up even more now with John Moran out? And kind of like you mentioned, too, with Jaron Jackson, he gets the same opportunity, especially if the Grizzlies aren't bringing in any players that are better than those two guys. It's kind of two of their top three guys, basically, and they're still young, so there's still a chance that they can just add that extra step. Well, they're also getting rid of Dylan Brooks. Okay. So <laughs> true. I forgot about that. I mean, he's the shot chucker, the shot chucker of all shot chuckers, and he'll be gone. So that's a plus. Um, but yeah, I mean, I liked how you brought up Desmond Bain. I didn't really think of him much, but he this could be his year to become an all star. Uh, with John Moran out for twenty five games, if he can show that he can carry the load, he can get up to that twenty four, twenty five a game. Uh, we might be looking at Desmond Bain as an all-star. So, I mean, and I think he he can. He's got the he's got the scoring package. He's got the huge shoulders. Ah, uh, so true. So, I don't see why not. Really, 
because it, it'll revolve around him heading into the season. Absolutely. Okay. And then to end our show, we were kind of wanting today to talk about the legacy of players. And these two players we want to talk about today are arguably going to be the face of the league. I've seen a lot more about these two guys since the finals ended. Seems like the NBA has found their new stars to brown around for the next five, six years. It is the freak, Giannis Antetokounmpo versus Nikola Jokic. And we want to dive into who do we think is better all time right now and who's maybe better right now as well. If you look at guys like both of them, neither of them started out as an all-star, as a top five pick. They're all development players. They got better, became an all-star, became an MVP, won the finals. And I just kind of want to go through their resumes real quick. If you look at Giannis, he's a, he has seven-time All-NBA, five-time All-Defense, two-time MVP, finals MVP, and defensive player of the year. And if you look at Jokic, it's also important to remember they're both 28 years old, so they are the same age. And Joker is five-time All-NBA, two-time MVP and finals MVP. So he doesn't have the defensive accolades, but I also feel like he hit his peak a little later than Giannis. But at the moment, what do you think about these two? Dude, I don't know. I think they've pretty much accomplished a similar amount in a similar time frame. I think if the, if they were both to retire today, um, Giannis is probably the better overall career because of the defensive accolades. He has a little bit more All-NBA. Um, he's gotten to the point where it's kind of the LeBron effect where uh, he's probably not going to win another MVP again unless he does something crazy. Uh, I've always kind of regarded him since the 2020 season as the best player in the world. Um, but... Jokic, man, I think he might have stole that title from him this year. Giannis, I know he got injured in the first round against Miami, but you're still out there, and it's still the eighth seed. I know they made it all the way to the finals, one of the craziest runs I've ever personally witnessed, but if you are who everyone says you are, you got you to gotta at least take that to seven. You can't lose every game that you play you know what i mean mm-hmm. you, you can't you can't do that if you're Giannis. it's true and Jokic proved this year uh this playoffs he backed up all the regular season accolades and i think he's honestly the best player right now in the nba but all time i still think Giannis has maybe one spot ahead of him they're right they're in that 30 to 20 range i think if they were to retire and absolutely, I am totally with you on, I think Giannis all-time is a little bit ahead of Joker, but all, and I do think Joker showed in this postseason run that I do think he is the best player in the world and that he is better than Giannis, mostly because his offense, you just can't game plan against it. He can do everything. He makes the right decision almost every time, and he doesn't get played off of the floor defensively. Because he's not the defensive player Giannis is, but in the playoffs, if you don't get played off the floor defensively and he's just so unstoppable on offense, you can make up for it if you have good defenders around Jokic as a team. And another thing I think is kind of important to take note of 
is the last two years when Jokic has won MVP in the playoffs, they've had big names out, their core guys in the playoffs. No Jamal Murray, no Michael Porter Jr. I mean, at one point they were starting Austin Rivers and a guy named Compazzo. He's not even in the NBA Gotta anymore. Compazzo, man. Yeah, they were, they were the no starting backcourt. Yep, exactly. And it's like, you can't really expect him to win with guys like that going against a Golden State team with Clay and Steph. They're losing to that team. Like, it makes sense. So I think now that Jokic has finally shown what he can do with their core together, it, for me, it really puts him over the top at the moment um, for being a better player right now than Giannis. Well, yeah. I mean, the core that the Bucks won a championship with two years ago is the same. Uh, I guess it's to be determined. We'll see if Jokic can take this core to more than one championship. But this really is the first time Jokic has had a healthy core at the peak of his powers. Um, We kind of saw a little bit in the bubble uh, when Murray was playing like Michael Jordan, the second coming of Michael Jordan. Uh, But And they ultimately lost to a better team in the Lakers. But they made it all the way to the conference finals. Every time... Nikola Jokic has had a healthy Jamal Murray by his side uh, since he's kind of entered the all-NBA atmosphere of caliber player. He's made it to the conference finals. So well, it's yet to be seen. I really think this year, this season, is going to decide uh, who kind of starts a better trajectory all time because the Bucks are kind of stuck they have an aging roster. They got to sign Lopez and they got to sign Middleton because they can't use that money elsewhere thanks to the CBA rules. And uh, they flamed out in the first round of the playoffs and Jokic went all the way and won a championship. So it, I think that's going to be an interesting storyline to follow this season between those two international stars. And sadly, I don't think mainstream media is going to cover much of it. Yeah, and I I see what you're saying because right now a lot of people are still on the LeBron and Curry train and they're still really good players, but it seems like over the next couple of years they might might be disappearing. And kind of like you mentioned, I think Giannis deserves all the credit that he's gotten, but he doesn't just get a pass for losing in the first round this year, right? It is a blemish on the record. Um, But And the other thing kind of that I think with Jokic that I mentioned before, I think it took him longer to reach his peak than it did Giannis. I think Giannis was better earlier, but now I think it's kind of evened out. And this season can definitely say a lot because coming into next year, we're expecting both of these teams to be in contention status if Milwaukee's able to retain their guys, run it back again. Um, even though time is ticking for the Milwaukee Bucks, Drew Holiday's in his mid-30s, same with Brooke Lopez, Chris Middleton's getting up there, and Giannis is still 28, so they might have to, this might be one of the last chances they have to get a ring with this core and Giannis. Yeah, I think, I do think that's true, uh, because a lot of their key players are either going to age out or become too expensive. Um, and Drew Holiday... Chris Milton, Giannis, is that a core that can still get it done? Middleton has not been the same since his knee injury. 
and you're going to have to shell out a pretty penny to keep that guy. Uh, you got to debate, is it worth it? Um, I think, I don't know what else you do, but can Chris Middleton or Drew Holiday be, be your Robin? And they'd be the number two. Uh, we'll see. I don't know if last year was a fair was a fair judgment because Giannis did get hurt and he did play injured. He still got beat by Jimmy Butler and four undrafted players. So, I mean, I guess so did everybody else in the East, but at least Nikola Jokic got the job done. So, absolutely. Okay, we want to thank everyone who tuned in to listen today. This was our first episode. Hopefully many more to come. And thank you for listening to Second Take. We'll be back later.